Father, uh, we do pray tonight, God, as we get into your word, that, Lord, you would just speak to our hearts. Lord, we want to understand this relationship we have with you. And I thank you for, again, raising up this guy named Peter and, Lord, all of the things that he's gone through that, that contribute to him writing to us and, and being open and honest. So, Lord, as we look at this, again, make it real to us, not just words on a page and not just some story or some event, but make it something that's going to change our lives, affect how we relate with you and how we walk with you and how we uh, function in this world. So again, bless this time. Have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're leaving 1 Peter, going to 2 Peter, and they're probably, they're probably a little over a year apart, the two different letters. So both of them were written in the late 60s, not 1960s, or, but you know, the 60s, 60s. And the first letter, Peter dealt a lot with working through trials, working through suffering, dealing with that, and kind of worked all that out. Now in this letter, he's kind of doing something we've been looking at for a while as we've looked at John, the letters of John and Jude. He's gonna deal with some false teachers. And what's interesting to me is Second Peter is another one of those that's a real picked on letter. Like, like there's a lot of people saying Peter didn't write it, Although, look at verse one, Simon Peter. I'm thinking, you know what? If Peter says he wrote it, I'm gonna believe Peter, right? I'm just gonna kind of go with that. And I don't wanna get into a lot of the critics and the higher criticism of it. But here's the thing. He's writing against false teaching. Is it any wonder that people would wanna come against this letter, right? Don't read this, stay away from this. And Peter's gonna, you know, Peter's gonna be Peter, He's gonna be very blunt, he's gonna be very forthright, and he's gonna go hard and heavy because that's who Peter is. So he's gonna, again, challenge us in our relationship with Jesus, and bottom line, in the beginning here, he's gonna challenge us, how do we know that we're saved? How can, how can we know that? So he starts out, Peter starts out here, and Simon Peter, and notice he uses, he uses both of his names, right? Simon was his given name, I think from his parents. Peter was what Jesus called him, so he kind of let us know and, and who's writing this. And then here's what's interesting. He says, Simon Peter, a bondservant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. Notice what he puts first. He doesn't put the title that I'm a great apostle or, you know, I'm an apostle. What does he put first? I'm a bondservant. So what's first in Peter's heart? He's a bondservant to Jesus Christ. And again, a bondservant was, was somebody who, wasn't, who was almost, in a sense, they volunteered in that position. But they were also, when that term, doulos, is a, is a Greek term, it was used more of somebody that was more of a tool than even a person. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? That they would think of them as the, the, the masters, the, the owners would think, this is more of a tool for me than a person. And Peter says, that's who I am. And they had that sense of, I'm all in. So what's Peter telling us? I'm all in for God. He's a bondservant of who? Jesus Christ. I'm all in, I'm not changing. 
I'm doing this. And then also the fact that he is an apostle. So he lays that out, tells us who's writing, and then who he's writing to, which is technically the same group as before, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, the way he writes this, listen, it's interesting that he's saying, hey, you guys are sharing in the same faith we have. And he's not talking about that body of faith that in Jude, when we studied Jude, remember, he said, contend earnestly for the faith, talking about what we believe. Peter here is talking about more the faith that we have that we exercise in following and believing Jesus. And, and I like the idea, these guys he's writing to, he goes, you guys have the same faith that we have. We have like faith, right? We have that faith, but then notice who the faith comes from. The faith is because of God's righteousness and God's glory, not their own. And you and I, sometimes I think we need to be reminded of that, hey, God gives us the gift of faith. According to even in Ephesians, Paul writes in Ephesians for that the gift of, that the faith is a gift, not of ourselves. So we need to understand God gives us that ability and it comes from his righteousness. I like the way, the way Peter puts this whole thing. It comes from God's righteousness, God's glory that he gives it to us. But then also notice, he says that this faith with us by the righteousness of, and he puts of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Right in the beginning, Peter kind of can poke the bear, so to speak. Right in the beginning, what does he say? Jesus is God. Because the way it's written, again, there's not, there's not a definite article. He doesn't say, by the righteousness of our God and of our Savior, Jesus Christ. He says, by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That definite article's only one. Look at verse two real quick at the end of that. He says, in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ, or Jesus our Lord. So there's two definite articles. And verse two, there's only one. So he's letting you and I know something. Jesus is God. Amen. And I love the way, listen, I love the way in scripture, like they just state it and move on. They don't have a long discussion. They don't try and defend it. They don't try and prove it. Why? Because they believed it. And so he didn't have to. So that's, he's writing to people who have the like faith like he has and that, that, that faith comes from Jesus Christ. And then I love verse two, kind of, again, some people say it's more of a, you know, just a, 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 a sort of a prayer or whatever. But listen what he says. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. Now just think of that. He doesn't just say grace and peace to you. What does he say? Grace and peace be multiplied. I like that idea. Because, hey, when you add things up, they just add up one on top of the other. When you multiply, right? And I like the idea that God's grace is multiplied to me. And I have that, that listen, and I have that in my life. And, and so he lays that out and he says, listen, but how is it multiplied? Because I think this is important. Thinking of some of the songs we sing, they're going along great with this passage. He says that, that grace and peace be multiplied to you, how? in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. How's it multiplied? By me knowing him. 
by me getting involved with him. And that, that word for knowledge, I think a, a lot of us kind of understand. Listen, it's not just head knowledge. It's not just intellectual knowledge. It's like knowing him. It's like when you meet somebody, you can have a casual acquaintance, right? Or you can really get to know somebody. And you get, how do you get to know them? You get involved with them. You hang out with them. You spend time with them. Ask questions. Get questions asked of you. You have this thing called a relationship. It's kind of foreign in our culture lately, right? We don't want to have relationships. Everybody just stay away. Everybody stay in their own little, little world. And we don't want to get too close to each other because you might get COVID. That was really, that was really horrible. Sorry. Sorry. I don't know. I shouldn't have said that. But anyway, hey, let's have relationships again. Let's get together and let's fellowship. And it begins with fellowshipping with Jesus. And he says, listen, that grace and peace, the only way that's gonna grow and be strong in your life, I am so gonna get letters, but listen, (laughs) they're coming. But the only way, listen, the only way that's gonna be multiplied is by knowing him. How much time do you spend trying to get to know Jesus? Think about how much time you spend at that versus everything else in your life. Listen, we're all busy, we have things we're doing. So think about how we break things down and what we do. So that's Peter, that's who he's writing to. That's kind of his introduction or his blessing. Now as he begins here, listen to what he says. He says that by the knowledge, that grace and peace be multiplied by the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given, has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, listen to this again, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Oh, oh. Here's the thing that blows my mind. He's saying that I can have that grace and peace multiplied to me by knowing him, right? By getting close to him. And then he tells me this that I find fascinating, that God's divine power has given me everything I need for life and godliness. Is that true? Do we believe that? Oh, I think some of us believe it here, but not too much here. Because we want to do things, listen, are we trusting him? Now, that doesn't mean, listen, that doesn't mean that you just accept Jesus and by osmosis you get this ability to do life right. What does it mean? By having and building a relationship with him, I began to do life right because I grow in the knowledge, and he brings that up again, knowledge. Are you, uh, by the way, knowledge or knowing is used over 16 times in this short letter. So you kind of get the idea of what ha- what's happening. But as I know Jesus, I understand that I have from him everything I need to make good life decisions and live life in an appropriate and a real way. I think that's important. Now, a lot of people, a lot of people will tell us scripture and relationship with Jesus is good as far as religion or spiritual things. 
But what does Peter say? It's for life and godliness. He gives us by his power and trusting him. And I think a lot of us are a little bit of afraid to really kind of let go and let God's power inundate our lives. I think a lot of us like to keep God a little bit of a, you know, just kind of stay. If you get too involved, God, it'll get too powerful and I won't be able to handle it. And here's what I know. Through a vital, real relationship with God, he gifts us. and He gives us gifts, right? He gives us abilities and we can practice them as we trust him. So his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through the knowledge of him, right? We're back to that thing. I gotta know him. I gotta spend time with him. I gotta understand him. If I really want my life to be fulfilled in the direction that God has for me, I gotta hang out with him. And I gotta do that. And he says, listen, he says that's a virtue. And then he says, who called us by glory and virtue. God called me into this relationship. And when I begin to realize and give him the glory for getting me where I'm at, guess what, man? My life gets a lot easier. Because there's times where we can tell God, you did this. And there's times where he says, no, I didn't. That's all you. Now, are you, I, I read, when I first read the first part of Second Peter, I just get excited. I get excited about who I am in Christ. I get excited about the fact that Jesus is that interested in my life and calling me and bringing me to that position. And he says, not only that, now listen, now he gets into a little bit more, verse four, he says, he says, by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. Oh. Do you think God's promises are great? Do you think they're exceedingly great? Yeah, think about, think about what Peter's writing. And this is, coming, this is coming from the guy who blew it a bunch, right? This is coming from the guy who did things his own way and went his own direction and got in so much trouble doing it. And now he says, listen, now he says, listen, we have great and exceeding, or, or, I'm sorry, exceedingly great, and I love this. Peter the fisherman says, precious promises, you don't think of that coming from, like my mind, Peter's like this macho dude, right? Because just the dumb things he does. Oh, I might get letters for that too. But you know, he's just that guy, right? And he just like acts before he thinks, he does that stuff, he's talking when he should be listening, he's sleeping when he should be praying, he's walking when he should be standing still, he's standing still when he should be walking, he's doing all those things, and then he says, Precious promises. Oh, earlier on, what did he say? Precious faith. You just don't think of that, right? Precious, that's kind of a, we kind of think of precious moments Bibles or something. And you kind of think, is that, is that a little bit feminine, Peter? Or maybe it's this. You have steel and iron and aluminum, or you have precious metals. You have rocks, or you have precious stones. Are you getting what Peter's getting at? Listen, these are, these are valuable. 
These are something that you can't even put a price on, right? And I love that, man. So we have these exceed, I, I love this, exceedingly great precious promises that through these, you may be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now, listen, now he's letting us know through these, through these quote, precious promises that if we really believe them, that we can be partakers of the divine nature. Now, listen, he's not saying we can become God. He's saying that we begin to understand all the promises that God gives, and in his promises, listen, in his promises, the greatest, I think, is that he is gonna come and dwell in us, not, listen, not to make us gods, but to give us empowering to do the right thing. To give us that empowering to live the life that God intends for us to live and we can be those people because then we can escape the corruption of this world. It's easy to get caught up in things in this world, isn't it? Things that are going on and you read things and you know we have, we have tragedies going on, we have different things happening and you get all caught up and you, and you need to realize something. That's the corruption of this world. And you and I, if we believe God's exceedingly great promises, we have the divine nature so that we don't have to partake of that. It doesn't mean, doesn't mean we put our head in the sand. It means we're separated from that. Something that I find fascinating is the fact that in the Lord, you can't, you can't be in the world and in the Lord. Oh, we try but you don't function well in either one when you're doing that. You're trying to be in the Lord and in the world, you, you, you know, you're messing up one or the other and not functioning well. And he says, listen man, there's a break that comes and my prayer is we would have a greater understanding of that and that the world, number one, that we would understand this world's corrupt, not, not meaning corrupt as far as things that are going on, it's corroding, it's a mess and we need to know that. We need to know that we don't have to be part of that. We, ha we can be partakers of the divine nature that separates us from that and gives us a whole different, quote, worldview as we walk with him and live with him. Now, I think of all people, Peter understood this greater than others because of all of his blunders, because of all the mistakes he made, because of everything he's done. And he says, this is, listen, Carefully, this is what Christianity is. And when he talks about us being partakers of the divine nature, doesn't mean that we're all going to be the same. I don't know if you've noticed, but God made us all different. Hallelujah, huh? And even, listen, even in our relationship, even when our, with our walk with God, we don't all do it the same way. I think a lot of us want everybody to do it the same way, right? How come you're not doing it like I do it? Because you're a dork, that's why I don't want to do it the way you're doing it. Or somebody might say that to And we, we kind of get this attitude. Aren't you glad that people are different? Aren't you glad that we can come to Jesus our own way? Aren't you glad that we can be us coming to Jesus and so not have to be somebody else? And here's what happens sometimes we find somebody that we admire, that we really like, whether in this current time or maybe somebody in the past, and we try and pattern our life after that. 
Wouldn't it be better to pattern our life after Jesus? And begin to look to him instead of, man, I want to be, you know, like, I want to be like Charles Spurgeon. I don't, but, you know, some people saying stuff like that. And they, they get heroes or even modern heroes, people you look up to. And there's nothing wrong with looking up to somebody and admiring somebody for their faith and the way they walk with the Lord. But don't try to be them. Be who God created you to be. And he's gifted all of us, listen, and made us all different. We're individuals but at the same time, we're all partakers of that divine nature that gives us the ability to separate ourselves from the things going on in this world. Oh, and he says the corruption of this world in its lust or, or through lust, and he's not talking necessarily just about, just about sexual lust. He's talking about just the I want it for me because that's what I want and that's what I'm gonna get. So Peter lays that out and tells us. Now, every time I read that, I just read, I read the verse three that, uh, that I have uh, his divine power. I read verse four that he's given me part of his nature. And I go, hallelujah, how can I fail? How can I mess this up? Oh, trust me. <laughs> right? But you should read that and kind of get excited like, woo, Yes. And then, now he's gonna go a little bit further and he's gonna tell us, listen, we, we have something to do with this. As I was studying this, I, I was reading some people who are more Calvinistic or reformed in their, their thinking and then I was reading some others who were kind of on the opposite end and if you don't know what I'm talking about, God bless you. But listen, you kind of have, and you kind of have these people that get this way and, and I think, man, you know, both of them kind of ruined this. Listen carefully, Peter just told us who we are in Christ and how great that is. Now he's gonna tell us what that should mean in our lives, how that should influence how we do things and what we do. So here's what he says, I want you just to sit around in church and be kumquats <laughs> for Jesus. No, he says, listen, but also... So he's talking about, listen, he's talking about this divine nature. He's talking about the exceedingly great precious promises that through him were partakers of the divine nature, but also for this very reason, because, because verses three and four are true and real in your life, because that's real for this very reason, giving all diligence. Listen to what he's saying. Because that's true, we should be very focused, more focused on this than anything else. We should be focused on definitely on being given the divine nature. We should be focused on the fact that God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. But now we should be super focused on this. Listen, that we would, giving all diligence to add to your faith, virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. Wow. Do you hear what he just said? Here's what he said. Let me, let me put it just in a couple words. You need to be growing in Christ. And you should be somebody who you're putting in effort to do that. One thing that bothers me about some people when they talk about the grace of God is they talk about the grace of God as though it's something that you just kind of jump into and then you don't do anything else. No, the grace of God changes you. 
He comes and he changes you. And as that change is in you, then because of that change, you want to change who you were. I don't want to be the same person I was when I got saved. I don't want to even be the same person I was, uh, you know, last year. Or maybe we could even say last week. I want to be growing and changing and I want to be alive. And so to do that, I have to give diligence. There's certain things I like to do. Like I remember when I took up mountain biking, man, I focused on that and I practiced that. I was horrible at it. I wrecked all the time, but I focused at it. I broke legs, I got fungus on me, I got all kinds of stuff, but I was determined I was gonna do well. And listen, man, you get focused, and you pick up something, and I wanna be good at that, I wanna do that. Do you wanna be good at being a Christian? Yes, yes. Why? Because his divine nature is in me, because through his power, he's given me everything I need All I need to do is trust him and begin to use what he's given me. And so, listen, to that, I have to then, I have to start working through this. And I don't think this is step one, step two, step three, step four. Like, once once I get my faith down, then the faith, I'm gonna put a little virtue in. And once I get that kind of stirred up and going well, and that virtue gets going, then I'm gonna put a little bit of knowledge in, then I'm gonna get that going. No, listen, he's talking about this should be our life and it should be expanding. And it should be ever expanding in our relationship with God. So I don't want you to kind of get some prayer beads and kind of do this thing and, and, and do some weirdness or think, and if I get that brick, somebody said, you get this brick down and you put this brick on top of it and you put this brick on top of it. I don't think that's the way Peter's talking. Now, he's got to put it out that way, but that's not what he's talking about. So, man, listen, listen. Hey, I need, I need virtue in my life. What is virtue? Virtue is mainly, I need some moral excellence. I need to be a person who's going to be moral. That's a good thing in Christianity. It's a good thing in your walk with the Lord, right? I want to be moral. I want to set a moral example and, uh, you know, to those around me. And then knowledge. Listen, this isn't the same knowledge that he's talked about, about knowledge of God and knowledge of him earlier on. That was an in-depth, very personal. This is a very practical knowledge. And here's the thing. To come against false knowledge, check this out. To come against false knowledge doesn't mean you need less knowledge. It means you need true knowledge. And that's what he's talking about, right? So we need to be people that, hey, we're not only gonna be people who are morally excellent, we're gonna be people, we're gonna have knowledge and it's gonna be practical. It's gonna be, I'm gonna find the ability to discern between right and wrong. Why? Because his divine power has given me everything I need for life and godliness. I know that God's gonna do that. His divine nature is in me. And then from that, I get a little bit of self-control. Huh, how you doing with that one? I think he should have just left that one out. Like, come on, self-control? Now, some of of us have really good, and it always cracks me up. I do this sometimes. I have self-control in some areas, and then I look at people who are bad at that and go, come on, man. Buck it up there, get a little self-control. And they're looking at me going, come on, dude, get a little self-control there, right? So, hey, that's something, and obviously, I don't think we need a definition of self-control. I did write it down, the inner control of one's desires and cravings, really. (laughs) So you have to have some control over that. And that's part of growing in Christ, and we get better at it. And then perseverance is more than patience, 
Perseverance is, is having that, that characteristic that you're unswerving, that you're focused, you're steadfast, you're going to do it. And again, not just patient, but you're, you're, you're somebody who you, in some ways you become very myopic, not like the guy we're going to read about in a minute, but you, you're focused on what you're doing, you want to go that direction. And then he said, listen, not, and, and, and not only did I have the, the knowledge and the self-control and perseverance, godliness. What is Godliness. Here's the best way to put it. You're going to be like God. Not like God in the sense of, I'm going to do all these great things. Like God in the sense of his righteousness, his goodness, his faithfulness. And we could go on and on, right? That's godliness. We're going to, we're going to kind of exhibit those in our life. And, and again, that, that his living in us. And then, and then, listen how it, all of that kind of pours out into brotherly kindness. Let's be nice to each other. And how can you be nice to each other if you don't know each other? Right? You gotta kinda get involved in each other's lives. That's a horrible thing to do, right? Again, some of us think that's terrible. You gotta be, we gotta know each other. And then after brotherly kindness, what does he say we need to add to that? Kind of the cherry on top, right? A little bit of love. And that's agape. That's getting back to that agape word, that unconditional love. So, Have you noticed something strange about what Peter writes here? Doesn't it sound awful lot like something that Paul wrote in Galatians? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, right? And then he goes on and defines it and and gives us that. So listen, it's kind of the, the same stuff. And what is this talking about? Again, let's just say it bluntly. This is Christianity. This is who we are. This is supposed to be the makeup of our person and how we interact with others and what we do with, with, with each other. And then, listen, he's not gonna give up. Verse eight, for if these things are yours, so here's what he's saying. If, notice, if these things are yours, which I think we want them to be ours, right? Just like, kind of get a little bit involved here. We want these to be true in our lives. If, I love this, if these things are yours and abound, you will, you will uh, be neither barren nor unfruitful, listen, in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, then we're back to that again, aren't we? We're back to knowing him. And here's what he's telling me. If those things aren't real in my life, I'm just kidding myself to say that I know Jesus. I might know about him. I might have a casual, distant relationship with him, but I don't, I don't know him. But if these things are real in my life, I'm not gonna be unfruitful. Listen to what he says. I'm not gonna be unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. As I know him, these attributes are gonna become more real in my life and they're gonna be more of my nature and my ugly nature, my sin nature is going to get less and less. Why? Because this world's corrupt and I'm not part of this corrupt world and I'm not allowing it to dictate who I am. Oh, but, listen, but, verse nine, for he who lacks these things, now, this is gonna get convicting for some of us, right? If that's not going on in my life, he who lacks these things, here's what he says, This person is short-sighted, even to blindness, 
and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Oh. Here's what I kind of like. He doesn't say they're not saved. He's saying you've just gotten extremely nearsighted. Even to the point of blindness. And you've forgotten who you are. That's why I say you can't live with one foot in Christ and one foot in the world. It's gonna mess you up, man. It's gonna train wreck. And there's nobody more miserable than people trying to do that. You know, full-on, hardcore sinners, pagans, I like to call them, heathens. Those guys are much more happier than that person. And obviously, full-on believers are much more happier than that person. But that person's miserable. And he says, man, this is who you are. So therefore, here's a conclusion. Therefore, brethren, you might underline that, right? So therefore, listen, he's lined everything out. Now, who's Peter talking to? He's talking to the church. And he's letting us know all of this good. Yes, yes, yes. And he's going, hey, maybe, maybe, maybe you're not doing too well. So therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. Here's, do you hear what he's saying? I believe God called me. I believe God elected me. But I also believe I gotta make that sure. In other words, I'm just not gonna be somebody who I'm just gonna say, well, I'm called and elected and doesn't matter how I live, doesn't matter what I do, I know God's done this. No. I gotta make it sure. When I was in Bible college, I used to fly home on some weekends to, to make pottery so we could survive as a family. And, and uh, long story, I would have to fight. But anyway, I'd get home and my wife and my daughter would pick me up at the airport and we'd start driving back and, and my daughter at that time was, was a, a, a teenager or preteen going into... She was a pill, but anyway, <laughs> we would talk, and, and I can remember asking her almost every time, hey, Leah, are you saved? And she'd say, yeah, I'm saved. Tell me why. Make your calling and election sure. I was reading, somebody asked their son that, that was younger, way younger, and they said, what makes you think you're going to heaven? Because I'm going to die. That's what the kid said, so I thought that was a great answer, right? It's like, uh, we need to do a little bit more teaching here, but anyway, listen. I think the only people that this verse might offend are people who are not adding to their faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge godliness, and we go down that list. Those people are offended and they go, you can't tell me to do that. It's okay to make your calling an election. Sure. What is Peter saying? Test yourself. See where you're at. Find out. It's okay to do that. It's all right. He's not saying we, we, we you know, need to go around doubting our salvation. He's saying you need to make your salvation sure. You need to know that you're the person. You're sure about that. And he says make your calling election sure for if you do these things, you will never stumble. Oh, I don't want to stumble. Stumbling stinks, right? Think about, think about just when you're walking and you stumble. What's the first thing you think? Hope nobody saw that. 
right? And then especially if you go and you fall over, man, then you're like, oh, no. I remember one time I wrecked my bike really bad. Some people were coming up a trail, and they were kind of in my way, but they're coming up a trail, and they're walking, and I'm trying to ride down, and I hit my front brake, and I went over the handlebars, and I'm sprawled out on the trail, and they come up, and I go, just keep walking. Just keep going, <laughs> right? Nothing to see, just keep going, and that's how we feel, right? So do you feel that way spiritually? Are you embarrassed when you stumble spiritually? You hope nobody's watching? I mean, we know God's watching, but are you like, oh man, I can't believe I did that. That's what he's talking about. And how do I keep from stumbling? Well, because I, I, I walk my walk. I live my Christian life. I don't just read you know, 1 Peter chapter 1 or 2 Peter chapter 1. I believe 1 Peter chapter 1. I flesh out 1 Peter chapter 1. I take everything here and I want it to be part of my life. I don't want to just have some knowledge about it. I don't want to just memorize this. I want it to be in me. I want it to be part of me and I want it to come out of me as I'm having a relationship with other people. And he says, so if you do that, listen, you're not going to stumble. It's going to be good. Make your calling and election sure for, and then he says, this, listen, for so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Woo! He says, you're going to go into the kingdom. Listen, he's not, do you notice that Peter's not just doing heaven here? Did you pick up on that? Peter's doing the kingdom, right? And you're going to have that, that abundant, that grand entrance. Somebody said the way he words this is like when they would word when the, the, all the Olympians would used to come home back in the, you know, the, the days and, and they would come home and everybody would, like, like they would just parade into the, into the city and yes, I'm home. Is that how you're going to feel going into God's kingdom? Yes, I'm home. Hallelujah. I'm there. I think you're only gonna do that if you really believe verse three, verse four, verse five, verse six, verse seven, and verse eight. If those are real in our lives and you believe that God's power has given you everything you need for life and godliness, then you're gonna begin to trust him. And if that's true and you begin to trust him, here's what's gonna happen. All of a sudden his divine nature you're gonna be a partaker of that. And if you're a partaker of that, you know you're gonna look a little bit more godly in your life. And as you begin to do that, you're gonna to add to faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge godliness, and that, that stuff is gonna start, listen, it's gonna be natural. It's not gonna be something, when you have a tree, and you don't belong to me, but every other tree in the planet, it doesn't have to fight and strain to bear fruit. All these other trees around the world, unless they're on my property, they just bear fruit. And it just happens, right? You don't see a tree going, it just happens. Well, shouldn't that be our Christian life? Shouldn't what he lays out here as being diligent to make sure these things are real, the virtue, the godliness, the faith, Etc. Shouldn't that be more natural than contrived? 
Or how about this? Shouldn't it be more organic? Oh, I think we need to be intentional about it, but I think we need to be intentionally organic because that's just who I am. I'm from Bisbee. We've had people around me going, dude, why are you so organic about stuff? I go, look where I'm from. Well, you have to answer that. But listen, I think our Christian life should be organic. Bearing fruit out of a relationship with him. And Peter words it here, the relationship is knowledge. And I grow in my knowledge of Jesus Christ and there's only one way I know how to do that reading our Bible, praying, and hanging out with other believers. It's kind of that simple. Let's stand up and pray. Peter, Peter, thank you for writing this, but Lord, thank you for challenging us. Thank you for giving us your Holy Spirit. And Lord, allowing your Holy Spirit to guide and direct and be that reality in our lives. And I do pray, I pray that this wouldn't just be a lesson, it's just reading part of scripture and saying, yeah, I kind of understand. But let it internalize in us and let it be real for us. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for our sin. Thank you for giving us your righteousness and those promises that are beyond comprehension. And yet you hand them to us and deliver them to us. Thank you for that. Be glorified in our lives and as we get ready to come to your table, let this be so real and so special for each one of us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.